0: It's a a real honor and a privilege to be able to do that. I mean, children are a gift from God, and we want to celebrate that. We want to give thanks to him for that, but we want to join together with the families and sharing in that really special occasion. And so, again, to to the families here, you're super, super welcome. I want to take some time this morning just to kind of talk about names, uh, because I love it that every time we dedicate a child here in the church, that Chantel takes some time out during a week, preparing for this occasion, that she takes some time to actually ponder and consider the very words, the very names that the parents, and ultimately God has named those individual uh, child. And so it's so important because names are so, so important to us. Uh, When Sam, our eldest, was born, he didn't have a name for about three days. Uh, Truth be told, we we were just convinced he was going to be a girl. And uh, we, we hadn't had the scan to kind of tell us that, but um, we, we just, in both of our minds as we were preparing for parenthood for the first time, we just thought, it's going to be a girl, it's going to be a girl. So we had a girl's name lined up, and, uh, and thankfully, I mean, Sam wouldn't, really, Sam wouldn't really suit the name Liberty, really, would he? So, um, so he came, and we're like, oh my goodness, what do we do with that? We kind of had some ideas, we thought of Jasper, and you're all thinking, thank goodness they didn't call him Jasper. And... Um, we thought of Owen, but he came later, he was, he's our second born, and he just seemed to be an Owen. And it was through through his uncle Peter, who kind of was suggesting, literally, like we're in hospital, Chantel's in hospital, saying, what are we going to call the lad? I was still at school, I was still teaching each day, and coming into school, and all the kids are asking me, well sir, well sir, uh, what, what are you going to call him, what are you going to call him? I we going, we still don't know yet. And they're all going, call him Jack, sir, call him Jack, Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are first years. I'm thinking, how do you know? <laughs> and uh, so we, we called him Sam Peter in, in, in honor of his uncle as well. Um, you know, names are powerful things, aren't they? They define us. And I am sure that some of us here, we have been misnamed within our lifetime. We've been called the wrong thing. For example, when I was at school, so, uh, I had a teacher, a math teacher, who used to call me Daniel. I was like, my name's Paul Daniels. You know, get it right. Look in your register. And um, that was that. And I know that for some people, you, your name gets mispronounced. I, I had a lesson uh, just on Friday with, uh, I've got to get this super right here, Milen. Milen is over. No, <laughs> Malcolm's still shaking his head. How do you say it? Speak it loudly. That's how you pronounce it. And for ages, I've been mispronouncing it. I thought it was Milane. As in, I just kept thinking every time I thought, oh, it's Elaine with a me at the beginning. That's, that's how I remember that. So for years I've been calling you about, according to you, you've been called uh, Milan, um, uh, Melanie and uh, Mylene as well have been kind of things. So uh, it's a good job that she was married a bloke called um, uh, McDowell, wasn't it? So, uh, which in my accent is pronounced McDowell. And if you, any of you watch the golf, you'll have heard the commentators, Graham McDowell. And um, so my lovely wife is called Chantelle. Everyone calls her Chantel, right? F- where I'm from in Hertfordshire, she's called Chantel. Chantel. Now is that right? Like really naff or is that like really posh? I don't know. But you know... We, we, we are mispronounced and the, the reason is when you're on the receiving end of whatever that might be, it kind of jars in you. And the simple reason is because it's about identity, identity. And I heard this teaching at the National News Conference um, back in January and I thought it was so good that I've ripped off most of it if I'm totally honest with you. So if Greg Thompson, who's this American dude, who's a brilliant communicator, if for some strange reason he's listening to this online, um, this is yours, mate, and uh, the copyright issue has been cleared up right there, and royalties are on their way in heaven. So if you have your Bible, uh, turn to chapter to John, uh, we're in chapter 20, if you don't have one, uh, the words will hopefully come up on the screen behind me, we're starting in verse 11. So we're at John 20, verse 11. This is the story uh, of the resurrection. This is where this is the, the Sunday has come, and Mary has gone to the tomb where Jesus has been laid, and uh, this is the encounter that we read. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been laid one at the head, one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. We live in uh, a culture, a society, uh, where mankind is experiencing an enormous identity crisis. Not knowing who we actually are. And we have a generation of people struggling to kind of find themselves and make sense within the world to actually figure out who they actually are. And this is right across all generations, all kind of ages, but there are a couple in particular. One are our young people. Our young people growing up and becoming adults, finding their way in society, finding their way in life, trying to make some sense of it all and trying to see where they fit in. But often... This identity crisis comes to those of us in our 30s and 40s. You may well have heard uh, things like uh, having a midlife crisis. And uh, there are some of us who resort to um, dressing up in Lycra and buying bikes and cycling them on the streets. I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you uh, wives are thinking, thank goodness my, my husband didn't do that. Thank goodness that he bought the soft top car or the, uh, or the motorbike uh, to, uh, to express that. I can nearly hear it at lunchtime today, you know, the, the, the conversation. Thinking, yes dear, yes dear, you can go to the northwest this summer. Yes you can. Just don't buy Lycra. Just don't go, do that. We read in this gospel account of John where Mary Magdalene, she's visited the tomb. And at first, by the angels, she's misnamed woman. She's called Woman. And then just immediately after it, she turns to Jesus and she doesn't recognize that it, it's Jesus. And again, she is referred to or misnamed as Woman. But as she realizes it, as she engages in conversation with Jesus, Jesus rightly names her Mary. And there's a seismic shift, there's a massive transition between being named Woman and being named Mary. And the first thing we want to look at here is that we are unnamed or misnamed by sin. God has always been around the business of naming things, right from the very beginning in creation. When he created different things, he then named it. And so the light is named as day. And then he entrusts mankind. He entrusts to Adam the naming business of creation. We read here, He brought them, that's the different creatures that were made, to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. God has been about the business of naming since the very, very beginning. And we must understand this as we unpack this together, that naming and identity are very, very closely linked. But it's sin that messes things up. If we go back to the earliest account... When, uh, when Adam and Eve, and they take and they eat from the tree of knowledge, um, the man blames the woman and says this. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It's like she made me do it. And yet the preceding verses, Adam is saying, this woman has been born from my own flesh and my own bone. She's come from my body and recognises and gives her dignity and the identity that she deserves. And yet the next minute when they've fallen foul and they've made the mistake, she's referred to and she's named as the woman. The woman. She's misnamed because of sin. Jesus fell foul of being misnamed. He was branded a liar, a drunkard, a heretic, a blasphemer, a criminal. And posted on top of the cross was misnamed the king of the Jews. Mary. Had been given a new name. Or had not been given a new name. She had been named. Correctly by Jesus. She is the most talked about woman. In the gospels. Outside of uh, Mary. The mother of Jesus. Mary. Right, Jesus rightly names her. Mary. Past forgiven. Restored woman. Not Mary adulterer, Mary prostitute. She is rightly named as he rightfully brings her to a place of true identity in who she is. It's sin here that has misnamed her in this passage. When we read as she is referred to as woman, she stands at the tomb of death, the place where Jesus' body has been laid. And at this moment, she does not know that the risen Jesus has risen. She does not yet realize that it's actually really him. And so in that garden, in that tomb, she is standing there in a garden of death, so similar to the garden of death, the garden of shame, the garden where it all kicked off all those years ago. And she stands there and she is referred to as woman. What happens to Mary and what happened to Eve has happened to us all. Name is lessened because of sin. And this is not what we were made for. We have been misnamed over the years. And if you consider it, people have called you things, people have labelled you things, and you have misnamed and labelled yourself. And it's always as a result of sin. Someone else's agenda, something that happened to us, out of something that was not right. And we were labelled and that was stuck on us. And we've believed it. And it's eroded our true identity. What God actually calls us. And it leads us to our second point here. That God renames us correctly. God has the first word in creation. And he also has the last word. And after the fall. After the disobedience of, uh, of the man and the woman in the garden the woman is named correctly. She is given the name Eve because she would become the mother of the living. The name Eve becomes mother of the living. That is her true identity and she is rightly named at that point. And throughout scripture we see time and time again, don't we, we read it, where God is in the business of renaming people. So Abraham becomes Abraham and Sarai becomes Sarah. Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel, the slaves become my people, foreigners become citizens, the poor become rich, weak become strong, Jesus spends some time renaming people, the tax collector becomes the justified one, the prodigal son becomes the celebrated one, the cast out leper becomes the clean one, the dead man Lazarus becomes the living one, the rebuked woman who anoints Jesus' feet becomes the beautiful one, Peter the unstable one becomes the rock, And the rejected thief becomes the included one. Redemption is about renaming. And the major point of this whole story, this encounter at the tomb, is about renaming. It's about becoming who you were meant to be. And so she becomes, she changes from this woman to Mary. Mary, the one who was cured, the one who was forgiven, the one who was helped, the one who followed... The one who kept watch, the one who cared, and the one whose faithfulness was rewarded. We are that Mary. Because Christ has risen and his identity uh, restores our identity. In that moment, God does for Mary, he does for us all. We are unnamed by sin, but we're renamed by Jesus. That's kind of the teaching bit. This is the application bit. What's the point of it all? You know, because we can tell all the stories, we can try and unpack, and we can try and understand a little bit of the theology, but how does it actually affect and influence our lives? The first question really is this, is who's going to name you? Who is it that's going to give you your true name and your true identity? And my guess is that many of us here, we know the, we know the Christian answer. We know the churchy answer. We have been profoundly misnamed by others and by sin and we must go to him who's going to name us correctly. We have walked through life with people putting names on us and us believing names incorrectly about ourselves. We're known maybe as the skinny one, the fat one, the black sheep of the family, the brilliant one, the stupid one, the damaged one, Asian, black Gay, straight, the poor one, the fast one, the slow one, the, the disappointing, the old and useless one. We have picked up these names, these misidentities incorrectly. And they may well describe parts of who we are, but if the description of it becomes our true identity, it becomes problematic. And the truth is that many of us really were stuck somewhere between woman and Mary. We're somewhere in the middle, most of us, in this room. Some of us are way down one end, way down the other end. But my guess is, my sense is that most of us are stuck somewhere between us. It's Jesus who actually names us correctly. Right now, some of us don't know our true identity. We're just slightly lost, trying to figure things out. We come to Jesus with our sin and with our doubt and with everything else going on in our lives and we ask him, who am I? And he will name us correctly. And then the second thing is this, is what are you going to call other people? Every day we go, wherever we go, we're naming people and we need to be careful ourselves how we name one another. That we don't reduce people to things that they're not. We need to consider the, the names in which we call our own children. Sometimes even joking aside, the names that we give them, things that we say to them. We need to consider the names that we have called people in the past. And then we need to consider, what does Jesus call them? What does he say about them? And our job and our work and what God has called us to. Those who he is naming correctly and giving us, our true identity. We're in the business of renaming and going and calling and peeling off the labels and peeling off the names that have been given, misgiven to other people. He calls us, he sends us to a broken, hurting world where we see people walking around not knowing who they are, steeped in, in their sense of shame and their wandering of this world. And we're called to speak into their lives and tell them who they really are and who they really belong to. I want to read as a finish and then we're going to sing and we're going to pray as we as we finish this morning. I want to uh, finish by reading uh, some of this book here. It's called You Are Special. It's, by, it's a children's book by a well, well-known author called Max Licato. Uh It was inside here it says on the front page to Sam Daniels, Christmas 2003, a little heart, and then Sarah. Sarah's a good friend of ours, and uh, she bought this for Sam, uh, three months old. And it's just a brilliant, brilliant story. And I'm going to paraphrase it and read bits from it because it says everything that I'm trying to say here. So I'll do my best. It begins with the people called the Wemix. The Wemmicks were small wooden people And they were carved by a woodworker named Eli. So let's just set the scene. We're Wemmicks. Eli's God, right? We've got that bit. Just in case you're struggling with the text. And and each Wemmick was different. Look around you. Uh, Some had big noses. Others had large eyes. Some were tall. Some were short. And so on and so on. And each Wemmick was given a box of two sets of stickers. You've got gold stickers... Gold star stickers, and you've got r- uh, grey round dot stickers. And the Wemmicks would go about sticking stickers on each other. And so the, the attractive looking wooden Wemmick creatures were given gold stars. The ones with dodgy paintwork or a little bit of scuffing of the wood got grey dots. The, 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 the talented uh, Wemmick people that could sing and could dance and could run really fast, they got the gold stars and uh, those that weren't so good at all those different things that mattered in the Wemmick world life got the grey dots. And there was once upon a time a sad little Wemmick called Punchinello. And he was one of these um, Wemmick people that got loads and loads of grey dots that tried really hard in life but didn't seem to matter whatever he did or whoever he was. He just got lots of grey dots from the Wemmick people. Until one day, when he meets the lovely Lucia. Lucia uh, is—I I, I was going to say—a nice-looking Wemmick. <laughs> That's a bit strange. Anyway, um, so she, she, she is probably in the Wemmick world deserving of gold stars, but she doesn't have those. That they fall off her. Nothing can stick to Lucia. And Punchinello meets her, and Lucia has a profound experience in the life of Punchinello, a profound one. And he says to her, how come you've got no stickers on you, no stars and no dots? And she says, it's simple, it's easy. Every day I go visit Eli, the woodcarver. And he's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, ah, you'll find out if you go visit him. And so someday Punchinello strikes up the courage and he goes to the, uh, the woodworker's um shop where he does all his woodworking and, um, and he kind of comes in and he's a little bit nervous coming up to Eli, the, the woodworker, and Punchinello uh, kind of comes into his presence and the voice coming from Eli is deep and strong, how good to see you, come let me have a look at you. And Punchinello looks up and he asks him this question. You know my name. And Eli says, of course, I made you. Eli picks him up and sets him on the bench. Looks like you've been given some bad marks, says the maker. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Does that sound familiar? Punchinello, I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. What they think doesn't matter. All that matters is what I think. And I think you're pretty special. And he asks about Lucia. says, how come the stickers don't stick to her? And uh, Eli says, uh, the, the stickers don't stick to her because she's decided that what I think is more important than what others think. The stickers only stick if you let them. Punchinello can't believe this. And he begins to trust And listen to the voice of Eli, the maker. And that story is our story. And uh, we're made by Eli. And we're made in his image. And uh, we, over the years, we pick up bumps and bruises along the way. And uh, we believe stuff about us that isn't true and isn't right. And things are said about us that isn't true and isn't right. And we must come to him. Because he renames us and names us correctly. The words that were given to our two children this morning. It's the word of the Lord. It's true. It's right. It's, it's trustworthy. That's who they are. And we must dial in. We must go before Eli. And ask him, who am I? And let him speak to you. And listen to his voice and what he says about us. Amen.